This is Out of Office for Wednesday the 12th of December 2012. Our topic is Out of Office 2013. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? Well, thanks, Kihan. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Getting close to the end of the year and closing down for Christmas. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Yep, likewise, sort of wrapping things up for the year. And as is traditional with our podcast, Kihan, being December and the end of the year, we usually do a podcast about what's coming up in the in the 12 months that's, uh, that's coming up. But But if you're a believer in the prophecy that the Mayans had way back whenever it was that they created their crazy calendar. It, it, it could be a pointless podcast, Gihan, because things could all come to a crashing end on December 21st. That's right. That's kind of middle of next week. And today's the 12th. And I've heard some people say that it's all going to come to a crashing end today. But I think that's just because they like the idea of 12, 12, 12. Yeah, it has, it has a, nice, a nice day to be the last day of the world. That's right. <laughs> so we better, we better get cracking there. We better start with the prediction that uh, the Mayans got it wrong and that there will be a 2013 and there will be a 13th of December because that's my birthday. So Yes, it is. Happy, happy birthday for tomorrow. Thanks, Gihan. At least let's, uh, let's have a world for one more day. Mm. And, uh, and then we can actually have uh, some predictions and some trends for 2013 that are worth talking about. Yes, and if the world does come to an end, well, we can't be proven wrong. That's right. Well, uh, we have uh, eight trends that we're going to discuss, and as we normally do, we'll discuss them in turn. So how about I kick things off? Yep, go ahead, Chris. No worries. Okay, so the first trend for 2013 for Out of Office is about video conferencing. So it's becoming really easy and ubiquitous. Uh, one of the reasons is that the, the devices themselves come with pretty high quality video cameras. So if you go out and purchase a smartphone or a tablet, that's going to have a video camera built into it, as uh, do most notebooks and PCs these days. I bought uh, a PC earlier this year that has uh, an integrated video camera. I haven't made much use of it so far, but they're, they're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And in fact, the people that I work for, they've taken it to the next level. They are commissioning several telepresence suites uh, at various sites around the world. They're a global corporation and their travel budget is immense. And so in an effort to try and reduce the amount that they spend on travel, they're putting together some really high quality video conferencing facilities so that they can encourage staff, instead of traveling, to communicate via video conferencing. So, as I say, the devices are becoming ubiquitous, even high-end devices like uh, telepresence suites. That's the hardware side of things. On the software side of things, the tools themselves that we can use with these video devices are, are pretty, much every, uh, pretty much everywhere and easy to use. So, first foremost amongst these probably is Google Plus Hangouts. One of the great things about Google Plus Hangouts is that it's just built into your browser. It's so easy to use. If you're on Google Plus, you can initiate a Hangout with a few clicks. I think there's a plugin you have to install in your browser, isn't there, Gihant, in order to, to be able to do a Hangout. But other than that, it's really, really easy to use. That's right. It pretty much installs itself the first time you use it. Right. Okay. 
Um, and in addition to Google Plus Hangouts, then there's Skype, which many people are already familiar with, which has supported video chat for a long time. Uh, but if you have a premium account, then you can do more than just one-to-one -one video. You can have a video conference. You can have many uh, video pe uh, many people in the, the video communication with Skype Premium. And then Microsoft, with their Link suite, which used to be called NetMeeting, uh, has all kinds of communications channels, including video conferencing as well. So one of the things about video conferencing and video chat is that it's a higher fidelity communication channel than those that are built on text, like email and instant messaging, or audio, such as telephones. So what I mean by this is that when you're seeing other people, you can see their, their posture, their bodily posture, you can see the gestures that they're making whilst they're talking, and you can see the expression that they've got on their face. So that's the uh, some additional cues that you have when you're communicating with people when you've got video available to you. And I think the other point that's made this really popular now, Chris, is that so many of us have broadband, and so it's not just the devices and the tools, but we've also got very fast internet access, or at least fast enough internet access for video to be, for video to be a feasible tool. Absolutely, yep, that's, that's a necessary part of it all. So, as we were saying, it's, it's easy to use and it's ubiquitous, which means uh, having it, it's not just a matter of having it, you have to be able to use these tools effectively. So, there are two possible questions you need to ask yourself, is when you're choosing a communications channel, when should you choose video? Now, video communication is immediate, so all the parties have to be present at one time, and it can be either one-to-one -one or many-to-many. -many. So work out whether uh, that kind of communication is what, uh, what you're using if you're going to be choosing video. And in addition to that, you need to make sure that you're using it well. So there's a whole lot of other dimensions to video communication that you need to consider. So for instance, you need to think about the positioning of the camera relative to yourself, Things like lighting become important in your home office. You don't want to be pointing your camera at a bright window or a bright light source. Your personal presentation becomes important. So whereas you might get away with uh, five days, uh, a five-day growth and, and sending an email in your pyjamas, uh, it's not something that you can possibly do with video conference or video chat. And also, when you're uh, engaged in a video communication, it's easy to see when other parties might not necessarily be engaged in, uh, in the conversation. You can see if they're looking off to the side, maybe checking out uh, what's going on on Facebook or typing or writing or um, yeah, watching television, perhaps. So these are additional dimensions to video conferencing that you need to consider if you want to use it well. Great, great. So that's your first trend, Chris, that, that video conferencing is on the rise? It is. Okay, well, this, the, my first trend, which is at number two, is that BYOD is on the rise as well. BYOD, you might have heard of that acronym. It stands for Bring Your Own Device. And it's, it's come about because of the rise of mobile technology where everyone's carrying around a phone or a tablet, uh, an iPhone or an iPad or an Android phone, Android tablet. And because those devices have become so powerful now and so, so good for some kind of office work, there is an increasing demand for organizations and workplaces to allow people to bring their own devices into the workplace. Uh, and particularly in, in our case, we're talking about, uh, for out-of-office workers, we're talking about semi-commuters. So you might be working some of the time at home. And in, when you're at home, you might be using your iPad. And so when you go into the office for the days of the week that you're in the office, you want to be able to connect your iP iPad not just to the wireless network in the office, but also to integrate with all the other software that you'd normally be using in your office. And so that 
more and more employees and workers are expecting that and demanding it, but it raises a number of issues. And, and, and one of our colleagues uh, calls it uh, BYOD is bring your own disaster <laughs> because uh, and she works in IT and she works in IT for a large uh, organization and uh, security is an important problem there and she just she just sees that it opens up a lot of potential problems um, and it's not just uh, integrating the software and hardware but it is things like things like security it's some of the legal issues uh, uh, surrounding that for example things like um, you know uh, corporations have to abide by by the privacy act but a lot of people are using tools like, say, Dropbox, where uh, the files are being stored offshore, and that might be in breach of the Privacy Act. And it's fine for you if you're an individual or you might even be an individual business owner, but if you're working in a large organization and data leaks out that way, you might be in breach of some uh, some important regulations. Um, there are rules about acceptable use um, of how you use some of these devices, uh, and even some of the issues around the whole out-of-office work style and human resource issues, like if you give people the ability to use iPads at home, then you need to start paying them overtime uh, if they're using it outside office hours, or uh, are there any any other issues around uh, encouraging people to work out of hours, and therefore, you know, there, there may be some uh, really important HR issues around that. So, it is, there are some issues around that, but uh, we can't get away from the fact that phones and tablets are with us and they're going to be with us for the foreseeable future. So organizations do need to embrace it. And so we expect BYOD usage to rise in 2013. Indeed, yeah. So my second trend is about Android, and I've called it Android is King of the Road. And that's because uh, according to one uh, pollster or prediction uh, um, analyst, they're expecting the number of Android smartphones to top 1 billion in 2013. And currently, the number of Android devices being activated daily is more than 1 million. So those are phenomenal figures, and you can see why Android is uh, certainly is the number one mobile operating system. The, the area in which Android has been most readily adopted is in the developing world where consumers are more price sensitive than uh, perhaps in, uh, the, in the developed world. Uh, the, the, the consumers in the developing world are less, uh, less inclined to pay the premium that Apple demands for its devices. So as far as out-of-office trends are concerned, this is, uh, this is likely to drive further uh, development and innovation in the mobile devices and software space because we have two big strong competitors in that in that market being Apple and Google and as well as that although Microsoft are uh, have a, only a very small slice of the market they're working hard to catch up so this year they've developed they've released Windows 8 which has a user interface that is designed for uh, touch devices such as you should find on tablets and smartphones as well as releasing their own Surface tablet uh, which is their first sort of tablet based product that comes from them rather than a, a third party manufacturer and although you know, Windows 8 and the Surface tablet have had a fairly lukewarm reception, Microsoft is investing a lot of time and capital in uh, mobile devices, and that's going to drive competition in that area, and, and that's to the benefit of out-of-office workers. Um, perhaps one grey lining to that silver cloud is that uh, these technology titans are uh, embroiled in a patents battle that's uh, seeing them uh, waste a lot of uh, 
money and time and effort on suing each other around patents, technology mm. patents for mm. mobile devices. Um, and that does have a chilling effect. It means it raises, it, 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 increase, it, it raises the barrier to entry for small players. It makes it harder for them to enter the market. And as I say, it's, it spends a lot of capital that otherwise could be invested in uh, uh, further developments and improvements in the technology that we all want and need to use. Yep, I agree. I agree. And uh, we could talk about patents. That's a completely separate episode in its own right, of course. Indeed, yeah. Uh, but one of the things that happens as a result of the growth of Android in particular, I think, is this idea of multiple devices. And uh, so my next trend is this idea that there isn't one device to rule them all. And perhaps 12 months ago or 18 months ago, there would, there would have been a number of people who were suggesting that perhaps the iPad would have been that device that it has, that you can do everything from your iPad and you wouldn't need any other device. But I think the growth of Android has meant that there are so many more options available that, and they, and many of these options offer different features so that there isn't at this stage uh, uh, the convergence that some people was, were expecting isn't there yet. So for example, um, you can get an Amazon Kindle and in fact I, I recently bought a Kindle, Chris, which I never had before. I had, mm-hmm. uh, I had the Kindle app on my phone, on my tablet and on my PC, but I bought a Kindle and it's great because the e-ink t- technology is so much easier on the eyes. It's like reading uh, paper books uh, so, and none of the other devices give you that that technology. Um, you might have your GPS or SatNav, sat-nav device in your car because uh, even though it's available on your phone, uh, it's the, the version of the phone is, is pretty good unless you've got an Apple phone with the, with the latest <laughs> version. Uh, but still, it's convenient to have something that's uh, already mounted in your car and doesn't chew up battery life while you're, uh, while you're using it, uh, chew up your phone battery life. Um, people are still using laptops instead of going to completely using tablets because uh, they're still better for typing unless you've got an external keyboard. And there are people who realize that, and especially in, in organizations, there's some software that's not available on their, uh, on their tablet uh, which they might be using on their on their Windows operating system, things like PowerPoint, or even if it is available, it's available in a cut down form. So there are people who are using uh, and who need to use multiple devices. And uh, I don't think in 2013 we're going to see a single device that does everything. So I think one of the things that we have to be aware of is that you're not going to find one device that does everything. And if you if you try to use your iP- uh, iPad or your you know Samsung. Uh, Galaxy tablet for everything, you might find that it, it's a little bit crippled and a little bit difficult to use. So, so be willing to use multiple devices, even though it's a little bit less convenient to carry them all around. Yes, and especially don't use your tablet computer as a camera. I think uh, we've seen those people out in public using their iPads as cameras, and it looks a bit dorky. It looks a bit weird. And uh, in fact, I was helping somebody at a uh, at a Christmas party last weekend, just taking photos, and she she had her she wanted me to use her iPad as a camera, and it did look a bit weird. And it, I think people were less um, it, people felt a bit awkward <laughs> having their photo taken with an iPad. Yeah, yeah, it looks awkward. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. So my third trend for 2013 is the rise of the semi-commuter. Um, so a semi-commuter is a term we uh, coined for the book, and it refers to someone who telecommutes part-time. Now, I don't have any hard numbers to back this up. It's based on an observation of uh, the people with whom I work. And I've noticed when I'm uh, in teleconferences or uh, phone calls with them that in many instances, they're working from home rather than from the office, and they're doing so on a regular basis. So that's just a one data point to the organisation for which for whom I work for. 
the reason for this is that uh, the technology that makes this possible has improved, so the devices and the software is available to allow people to do this. With regard to the people I work for, we have a VPN that means that you can connect from home via broadband and access resources on the corporate internet, uh, just as though you were in your office at work. Uh, uh, more generally speaking, I think uh, one of the reasons for this is that employers are beginning to recognise that it's a win-win situation. So these flexible work arrangements are uh, of benefit to the employer because it yields greater pro productivity from their employees and employers like it so they're less likely to uh, switch jobs and uh, the employers enjoy a higher retention rate. I think one of the other things that's happened, Chris, is just the whole attitude towards that whole idea of working from home has changed. Uh, I remember when I was when I was working for somebody else in an organisation, the idea that uh, that I might take half a day off and work from home because I was waiting for some tradie to come around or for some whatever reason, <laughs> that was a big deal. It was a big deal, and uh, it was permitted uh, and. People trusted me and people in the organization trusted each other, but it was still a big deal and it, it was very much the exception rather than the rule. And I remember even when I started my business 15 years ago, the uh, I was kind of embarrassed to say that I was working from home. So when I set up client meetings, I'd say, oh, let's meet at a cafe because I didn't want to disclose that I was working from home. But now it's very much accepted that people do work from home, either full-time or part-time, and it's just part of the way that, that, that work happens nowadays. So I think that it's not only that um, organizations are making it easier, but it's just become more acceptable that that is a way that you can do business. Indeed, yeah. So it's been led by uh, the technology making it possible. Uh, it's just been a slow, slow growth trend. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my next trend, and uh, I don't really have a lot to say about this one, but I think it's something that is going to affect a lot of uh, businesses, is that the increasing trend for organizations to use Google Apps for business. Uh, and Google Apps is a suite of products that's that brings uh, brings all your productivity products together. Uh, it brings in Gmail and Google Plus and uh, basically all the Google products under one roof, but in a way that businesses can use them effectively. So it's not just about marketing, but it's about using uh, using Google Apps as your uh, as your software infrastructure within your business. And uh, there is a trend where that's growing, and it's for a number of reasons. So one is, of course, because Google, because Google is Google, it provides a lot of resources, and so and the software is pretty good. Uh, but the other reason is that uh, because Google is Google and has really promoted Google Apps for Business, there are a number of other software vendors that have created uh, ways to integrate their system with Google Apps. So, for example, I use a system called MailChimp for sending out my email newsletters, and now that's integrated with Google Apps. So if, if I had Google Apps for Business and you sent me an email, Chris, um, when I look at the email that comes from you, I can also see which of my MailChimp uh, newsletter list or mailing list is Chris subscribed to. So I can see uh, what my communication platform is for you, for, for you specifically. Or I can see whether uh, when an email comes from you, I can see whether uh, we're linked on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter uh, and Google+. And if we're not, I can immediately just with one click uh, connect with you. So all of those things brought together mean that Google Apps for Business is a very, very powerful tool. 
Perhaps uh, one counterpoint to that, Gihan. It's uh, unfortunate, but this just this past week, Google. It used to be the case that for small businesses, Google Apps for Business was free for small organisations, and they've just introduced uh, a charge per user per annum. So whether that might slow the adoption of uh, of Google Apps for Business, um, I don't know. But I still think uh, it's going to be an increasing trend rather than um, uh, reversing the trend. Uh, I agree. I agree. I think it will slow down a little bit, and I've already seen people complaining and saying this sucks, and uh, now right. I, have, I have to pay for it. But, but I mean, the fee is fifty dollars per user per year, so it's not a it's not a huge fee. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my next trend is with regard to texting, better, cheaper texting for 2013. Uh, So just uh, this past couple of weeks, the SMS, short messaging texting system, celebrated its 20th birthday. I think the first message sent was Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas. Mm. Um, But at the same time as that, uh, we're seeing uh, the SMS system being challenged by apps for smartphones. So SMS texts are really useful because you can conduct immediate one-to-one communication with them. Technically speaking, SMSs are deferred. So, I mean, you can send a text and the other person doesn't have to respond immediately. But generally we do. When we're texting one another, we, 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 uh, we respond immediately. It's more like an immediate conversation. But one of the problems with the SMS system is that it can be expensive. If you send lots of texts and you've got a particular kind of uh, mobile phone plan, then uh, you can find that uh, the cost of texting is expensive. So with the rise of smartphones, there are now a whole host of apps that are designed to provide the same kind of texting services as SMS, but they're app-based, so they use your internet connection to send the messages rather than using the SMS system. And as a consequence, they're far cheaper than uh, than you sending SMSs. So there's uh, probably the two that people are most familiar with are the ones from um, WhatsApp and Viber. And then if you're a person who's uh, got one of the iThings from Apple or, or a Mac, then uh, they've got their messages um, messaging app. If, you're, um, if you've got an Android phone, then it'll have Google Talk on it, and that's the one I generally use to send uh, um, instant messages or texts to other Google users. And uh, then there's uh, Facebook and Google+, Plus, both have a Messenger app, and I think there's one more, uh, Skype. Skype also allows you to, to send texts, both using your internet connection, but being an internet voice over IP, internet telephony tool, Skype also can send actual SMSs for fairly competitive rates. Yeah, and actually you mentioned Skype, and I was going to say that it's the equivalent of Skype for phone calls, isn't it? That in the past you had to use the, the normal phone system for phone calls, where Skype allows you to make phone calls over the internet. And this is the same idea, that instead of using your phone to send SMS messages uh, across the, using the phone system, you're using it through the internet. Yeah, that's 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 a great analogy, Gihan. And as a consequence, uh, we're seeing, even though SMS is a venerable 20-year-old technology, its usage is in decline as people switch over from the SMS system to the smartphone apps for uh, achieving the same purpose at a fraction of the cost. So whether what that means for uh, the carriers who uh, make quite a lot of money from SMSs, whether they'll uh, start blocking these apps or not, I'm not so sure. But nonetheless, we have uh, a much better, cheaper texting service at our fingertips now.
Mm, I'm not sure they can block it, can they? It's uh, it's just an app. It's just uh, it's just like sending a message to some other server, which then picks it up and and displays it to the user. Yeah, unless they do things like blocking certain ranges of IP numbers, Gihan, if if you see what I mean, that kind of thing. Like they block yes. the WhatsApp servers by based on their IP numbers. That would be one way of doing it, I suppose, but a foolish way, foolish thing to do. But yes, <laughs> carries have got that kind of form. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, so the last trend is uh, the fourth one that I've got, which is better connectivity for travellers. And this is this does affect some out-of-office workers, uh, but and particularly, I guess, the digital nomads, because uh, out-of-office work, by definition, means that you do have less travel between your, your home and your office. But there is still a lot of business travel happening in the world. Uh, people still, de- still do need to travel for business, go to business meetings, speak at conferences, attend conferences, and so on. And as a result of that, the travel and the hospitality industry are just competing to offer better services in this area. And that's, that's really great for us as out-of-office workers who do travel. So, um, for example, I'm a digital nomad, and most of my time I spend in Perth, but there are times when I do travel uh, to other places and work from other places, and that's part of what being a digital nomad allows me to do. And some of these new services, because they've been set up for business travelers, are also available to digital nomads like me and to anyone who travels for business. And I'm talking about things like, and because we're talking about online things, so it's mostly about access to the internet. So now there are hotels that offer free Wi-Fi in their hotel rooms. And that used to be really, really expensive um, to have Wi-Fi in your hotel room, uh, especially when, and it used to be like price gouging because there really was no reason for them charging a lot of money for that. Uh, but now it's in some places, that's a competitive advantage where they say we offer free Wi-Fi. Um, there are other things there where uh, people will, uh, hotels, for example, will offer Wi-Fi hotspots because they recognize that a business traveler or any traveler might have more than one device that they want to connect to their uh, to the internet and so they'll have a hotspot so you can connect three to five devices uh, rather than just having to connect them one at a time um, airlines are offering in-flight wi-fi and that's something that's been around for a while in uh, in the u.s and it's it's now spreading to other parts of the world uh, i noticed a news article recently that said that Qantas has just cancelled trials of it on its uh, on its a380 fleet recently and their reasoning was that there just wasn't the demand for it it just wasn't happening uh, but I think that's another thing that's going to that's going to increase and grow, and it's going to start off being expensive, but uh, I think soon it's going to become again really competitive, and so that's going to drive the prices down. Um, and I guess hotels again coming back to hotels nowadays they have fairly sophisticated business centres. It's not just a place where there's one. Uh, isolated PC which you can use as a printer with a printer attached that you can use for printing and a single fax machine for sending faxes. There are now sophisticated business centers in hotels where they do allow things like um, connecting you like BYOD, bring your own device, uh, using other other devices, having fast internet access. A lot of things that we kind of take for granted when we're working in our office or even in our home office are now available to us on the road as well. Okay. So I think it's about time to wrap up, Chris. I think we've gone through all our eight trends. We have. I think you were going to wrap it up too, Gihan. Uh, I think we should start by saying that I've really enjoyed bringing the Out of Office podcast to you over the last year and over the last years. But it's really only in the last year that we've that we've changed the focus from what we used to call the Focal Point podcast to the Out of Office podcast. And we were really focused on the needs and the requirements and uh, the... The, the life of the out-of-office worker. And I've really enjoyed that. It's been a, a narrowing of focus, but uh, I think it, it's meant that we've allowed, we've been able to do things at a greater depth and perhaps um, 
work more closely with a, with a specific kind of, kind of listener. We do have some of the out-of-office books left. We only have, in fact, we only have six copies, Chris, of the printed wow. book. So um, I think they should, we should charge a lot of money for them because they'll become a collector's edition. <laughs> yes, and so if you're still looking for something to fill up, fill up your Christmas stocking for, for your friends and family, then get a copy of the out-of-office book, which you can get at outofofficebook.com. Um, and... If you miss out and you don't, you're not one of the first six. Don't worry, because we have unlimited ebook versions available, of course, and you can get them from uh, outofofficebook.com as well. Um, happy birthday, Chris, for tomorrow, for you tomorrow, or uh, the 13th of December, whenever, or whenever people are listening to this podcast. Uh, I hope you have a, a very happy birthday and also a safe and happy Christmas. And of course, that's something that we wish to all our listeners as well. Absolutely, yes. Thanks, Gihan. Thanks for your birthday wishes. And uh, I'll reiterate what Gihan said by wishing uh, Gihan and his family and all of our listeners a safe and happy Christmas and all the best for 2013. And I think we'll be back in 2013 with uh, more episodes of the Out of Office podcast. We will. Thanks and talk to you next year. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.